Beat me up on the mamas of all mama shit. Hey, I'm looking through my telescope and I see a mothership. Is that you? Beat me up. Hey, DA, I'm thirsty, man. Can you beat me up for a cold one? Hey, DA, what's going on, baby? Stop me off and beat me up. DA wants the silly Oh, permission to get in that mothership. Is my window seat still available? Beat me up. What's going on, DA? Hey, man, I need you to do me a huge favor. My co-worker's a jerk. Oh, just beat me up, man. Get beamed up. Everyone else has. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. That E in EJ is not for Emmanuel. I'm a dope. I'm bogus. Pete's here. EJ's here. Caserta's here. Kaplan's kind of here. You're with us at 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227, at Andrew Bogish, at Pete the Body, at EJ underscore Stewart, at Greg the Second G's for Hot on Twitter. You can watch us today, in addition to listing all our great affiliates on the free Odyssey app on Sirius XM 158 cap from a distance, apparently, has the stream rolling at WatchDA.com, YouTube, and Twitch. We have already talked about Justin Herbert's mega extension with the Chargers. We have already discussed Jalen Brown's mega, mega extension with the Celtics. And we'll do more of that here shortly this hour with A. Sherrod Blakely of Bleacher Report. But right now, it's Jim Harbaugh, the Michigan football head coach, finding himself in uh, lukewarm water. I don't even know the right temperature check because there seems to be very little trouble for Coach Harbaugh. All of this apparently began kind of with him meeting with recruits and buying them hamburgers with his own money. That might be like patient zero, so to speak. There were some other minor NCAA infractions um, meeting with said recruits during the COVID shutdown, non-coaches doing coaching on the field during practice, I believe observing players working out via Zoom when you're supposed to be hands and eyes off, little things that became big things because Coach Harbaugh either denied knowing about them or lied about them to investigators and then wouldn't admit when, I guess, caught in those lies that he had lied and maybe even still isn't admitting that he lied, but... The lying and the misleading of the investigators has taken, now created a level one most serious violation. This is going to be a nothing burger, pun intended. And then Coach, again, withheld the truth, forgot selectively, straight up lied, and that created new problems for him specifically. And one of the new ways you can go about punishment in the NCAA is um, you can basically go into arbitration, so to speak, and negotiations and come up with an agreed-upon punishment. And that's what's going on here. We're still maybe a full 30 days away from the actual final decision, and it could be changed by one of these infractions committees. But it appears that uh, Harbaugh is going to end up with a four-game suspension because of his, um, his, his lying. Now, those four games would be East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, a murderer's row of non-Big Ten opponents, and then the conference opener against Rutgers, which is obviously showing some signs of Greg Schiano, but it's still Rutgers in the Big Ten. So it's four games that the Wolverines can win without their head coach. And they're all at home. And they're all at home. So the punishment doesn't really mean anything, and I don't think that this factors into the Harbaugh um, resume at Michigan It's gotten much better on the field. There's no doubt about that. Back-to-back titles, back-to-back CFPs, 
They're the favorites again, at least in their half of the, or, you know, they're, they're part of the Big Ten. But <clears throat> what what I guess matters more is, you know, that we had a, a an assistant coach who was misusing a computer on campus. They got in trouble for oh, that. that. Yeah. They hired Bo Schembechler's grandson for a job and then, I guess, didn't do a background check and realized that he had some um, debatable social media content on his feed, so he had to resign from that job. Those things seem like bigger bruises to the Harbaugh resume than this does, but it is interesting to me, and I don't, the comparison game usually doesn't work because it's very rarely a fair, straight, apples-to-apples comparison. But I do think it's worth pointing out two things. That Jim Harbaugh's on the verge of a four-game suspension for maybe an illegal hamburger and then lying about it. And Urban Meyer got three games for basically ignoring, dismissing, whatever, domestic violence by one of his assistants. And then uh, a column on The Athletic this morning goes even further than that, back to Jim Tressel at Ohio State when players were trading their gear and stuff and memorabilia for free tattoos. And they got caught, and then Tressel lied about it. Right. Tressel eventually lost his job over that. And I remember I was, you know, I was working at that point, and I remember being pretty heavy-handed against Jim Tressel. And then being annoyed by people celebrating Tressel. He went back. It was like a parade or something in Columbus. And he went back and was treated like the prodigal son. And I was like, but this dude just screwed things up. Like right. he had players mess up, and then he messed up. And now you guys are in this weird spot. Me aside, there was a lot of heat on Jim Tressel for being a liar. I think it was in 2009. And now here we are in 2023. And this is a story, but there's no real no. what the hell is going on here reaction from people. No, the, the substance to it is is very, very flimsy. And the NCAA has admitted that they're going down on him or <laughs> going hard on him. <laughs> going <laughs> from the top and going down hard on him because uh because he lied. You know, that's really what it boils down to because it says four level two violations, meeting with two recruits during a COVID nineteen dead period, texting a recruit outside of an allowable time period, having analysts perform on field coaching during practice, having coaches watch players work out via Zoom. I would assume that this happens all over the place. It's not the only program that this happens to and happens with. But, of course, he doesn't tell the truth. And then when pressed further on it, says, oh, I I, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, I, I, it's, again, I, it's so flimsy. It, it, it's so meaningless. And I think what happens is these boosters who ultimately run these programs, I think that what they care about is when they have to forfeit wins right when they have to forfeit parts of seasons losing scholarships i think that's when they really clamp down but in the end this is going to be nothing more than a blip that we're talking about for the next few weeks after that it's never going to be talked about again and it 100 percent tracks that harbaugh would either play dumb or lie and then be so stubborn that even maybe with hardcore evidence he's like no nah, it wasn't me right. that didn't lie that all tracks make it it, it absolutely plays to what we think he is and the way he would behave. But yeah, like I just, I just don't care. Especially once I saw that he's going to miss four games that are all winnable without him. It just, it just doesn't matter. Now the article that I referenced or the comment I referenced at the athletic 
the point of it was that, that like maybe we're in a good spot. Now, this is confirmation that we have our principles more in line, that we shouldn't get so carried away with like lesser sins like this. Now, I'd still argue that, you know, lying to authority, trying to cover up, I mean, it's such a crappy thing to do. Like you, like you should absolutely be punished for it. But the fact that we're now in line with like four games and no one's freaking out, no one's calling for his job, he's not in danger of losing his job over this, maybe that is the right way to look at things. And maybe we were guilty of getting too upset about things in the past. Yeah, and we could also point to any time in sports when somebody decided to fess up and it ends up not being so bad for them. Yeah, you know, the Andy, he hasn't done that yet, which is the, just amazing. The Andy Pettits of the world, the Jason yeah. Giambis of the world, right? Like those guys, they kind of... You know, the the sketchy part of their careers and of their past kind of get uh, brushed to the side. And then you look at a guy like him who is supposed to be, quote-unquote, a leader of men, and the example he sets is to not tell the truth. And that's a bad look. Now, if you're going to have one of your assistants be the fall guy, if you're going to have a couple of secondary guys take the hit, okay. But you're front and center in this, and you can't even admit wrongdoing. <laughs> and that's who you have leading these young men. Yeah. I mean, and I can see myself in those positions, like, because I, I have a terrible, terrible memory. So you could ask me a question, and my first answer might be, I don't remember, but I'd be, I'd be honest. And if you then showed me the receipt or, like, the surveillance sure. video of me buying the chicken, the hamburgers for these kids and giving it to them, i go, okay, yeah, okay, I got you there. But the fact that he's sticking to his story after all of this is pure peak Harbaugh. 100%. And deserves something. Also, it deserves a punishment. How do they know about the texting? Um, Jim. Jim Harbaugh. I know, I said peak Harbaugh. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I I said, said, yeah that's peak. what I thought I heard too, yeah. I said peak um, Harbaugh. How, how do they know about the texting? Are they tracking their phones? Yeah, I think, I think that you have, especially at Michigan, at a public school. Right. They probably are on a, a school-issued phone, and you can get all that information through, like, a freedom of information request. Oh, so creepy. Yeah. It's like with the, the infamous Brady cell phone that got destroyed. Mm, the right? only one he ever destroyed? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just amazing. I just feel like a lot of times they their priorities are so skewed. But it sets up a pretty uh, juicy Big Ten media days. Today's day one. Mm. And Harbaugh's going to be there today. And there are some who are thinking that this got leaked yesterday, so he'd have to be on the spot today and answer questions about this. And that's on the heels of the Northwestern fiasco mm -hmm. where they're sending the interim coach, but the players apparently decided that they're not going. And now they presented it as, we don't want to be a distraction. This is about the new football season. It would be unfair to the other schools, other coaches, other, other players that are going to be there if we were there kind of taking all the headlines, because once we show up, everyone's going to be asking us questions about hazing and Pat Fitzgerald and whatnot. That more feels like someone was like, we're not sending our kids there to answer these dumb questions because they have not let us ask any questions of anybody yet. Yeah. And there's no way that Rich Braun, I can't remember his name. His last name is Braun. It made me think of you because it's Braun, spelled like Christian Brown. Yeah. So it gave me pause for a second how to pronounce it. But he's going to be there. But he's not going to say anything. He wasn't even there. He has this job partially because he was only hired in January. So he's not going to talk about hazing and Pat Fitzgerald and whatever. Because 
A, he doesn't know about it, and B, he's probably been told by lawyers and his boss and everything that we're just not going to discuss it. So we're going to get a string of complete non-answers. But it would be nice if Northwestern had a little bit of accountability here and put some adult in front of a microphone to answer some questions. But that's your Big Ten media days, is the looming Harbaugh suspension and Northwestern's embarrassment showing up uh, in town to dodge questions about the most serious thing that anyone's dealing with right now in college football. You know who I think leaked all this out? Biff Poggy. It's possible that Biff did this to get the scent off his bad 49ers <laughs> team. I mean, I think that's in play. These guys are, I, these coaches are just so dishonest and unlikable. Biff said, you're going to ruin my my media day? All right, Big Ten. Yeah, How watch, about this? watch this. <laughs> I got dirt and I'm spilling it on everyone. You don't want to double cross Biff Pogey. No. You you just he's he remembers, mm. and his reaction is not always immediate. But he will get his revenge when you least expect it. Like now, I got to point out, Jim was his boss. He came from Michigan. Mm. the The Charlotte bio page for Coach has a quote from Harbaugh. Now, I don't know. You know, you can put on a nice face publicly. Were there any issues between the two of them that would have created a scenario where Biff would have been like, mm-hmm. tell you something before old Jimmy sits down so at what media. was he with Harbaugh? Up, up until now. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say, I was wondering, was he one of those coaches that was maybe watching these Zoom workouts that he wasn't supposed to? Maybe he was like, hey, at least ask me a question about that. Like, you guys only want to ask me a question about what's going on with Jim Harbaugh? Like... Yeah, we, you could even ask him about if Joe, Joe Milton's the best quarterback in America, like Jordan Rogers said, since Biff was around Milton at Michigan. You could have come up with more than three questions for the UNCC coach. I just wish he would have remembered that he's taken over a 3-9 and team. I just can't get over that. It's but his, even a 3-9 and team probably, in a major-ish conference, probably requires a few more questions. But at what point, like, I think it sends a bad message to your team. Like, you're supposed to come oh, in saying— Oh, no way, dude. This is going to be—he's going to be— this no. is me all over their locker room. Oh, it's gonna no, it's gonna be all over their locker room, but I think it's it's false bravado. I mean, you should be telling your team, hey, you guys sucked last year, and nobody should be expecting anything from you because you didn't earn anything last year. Whatever you want, you gotta take. They're not gonna give it to you. They're not gonna give you attention, they're not gonna give you uh uh, you know, uh, they're not gonna crown you just because we have a new coach in here. Like you gotta take whatever you got coming to you. So like I for him to be there say, Oh, like we're entitled to be ask questions we're entitled to be part of the discussion of the AAC hierarchy when they won three games last year is ridiculous to me. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I have not gotten to Charlotte yet in my college football preview. I'm working my way down to the American. My <laughs> guess is part of the problem for them is that he's that's a completely different roster. That seems to be the case now when one guy leaves and the guy comes in there, it's just a you-know-what ton of transfers. Right. and. So people might not even know what questions to ask about Charlotte football <laughs> because they don't know what it's going to be and what it's going to look like. But you know that Biff, whether the questions were three, five, seven, he was going to sell the disrespect angle however he could. And he's probably happy they only got three questions because he was able to act like a tough guy, like a true Biff yesterday. 
But I just feel like Nick Saban does the opposite. Like, how many times does he go in those media days and he, like, laments over how terrible the previous season was? And he, uh, whether it was good or bad, they could have won a national championship. He'll still yeah. make up how terrible last year was. Oh, you know, in week five against Tennessee, we didn't play with the right urgency. We better make sure we don't do that again. Like, where was that from Biff? Yeah, although he, Saban does love telling us that he would have been favored over three of the four teams in the playoffs. He does do that. He loves that. that what was true. the question? We played the clip. The question that somebody asked that he didn't answer immediately and the SID was like, okay, let's move on. And then he finally gave the answer. It was a, it was a, it was not a football question. It, and it was a, it was an awkward, it was a weird question. It was, and he was like, he just didn't know how to answer it. And the SID had no patience. Right. Like, Next question. And then well, Saban yeah. finally gave the answer. Yeah, the SID knew better. Was it yeah. a question about Kirby Smart's bowl haircut? No. And it wasn't somebody, another coach at SEC had asked about, who do you look like? But that wasn't Saban. And it wasn't the carrot cake question either, which led to him saying carrot cakes are the best cake, which is just not true in any... I love carrot cake. It couldn't be further from the truth. So you missed this. So Bilotti went to bat for carrot cake. I love carrot cake. But if you had your choice of different cakes on a table, yeah. would you pick carrot cake first? No. Over like a chocolate cake? Red velvet takes precedence. Okay. Uh, Black forest is good. I mean, it's in the... It's good, but it's not in the top three. Right. It's, might even be outside the top five. Okay. See, that's a measured approach towards mm-hmm. carrot cake. It's good. Well, you yeah. know, stop it. Trash. Stop it with the, uh, you don't like carrot cake? Okay. Why can't I like carrot really, cake? You can like carrot no, cake. Uh, no, that's not what's happening here. It's I'm going to be shamed into not liking nope. carrot cake. As somebody that's on your side, it. I don't think that anybody's backing you into a corner here. Thank no, you, you, Gregory. Here no, I, were... no, I agree with Pete. This is ridiculous, okay? Let, let him let him have his cake. That's right. You were he not can here. have his cake. You were not here when DA and that other guy was here, mm. and, 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 they were, and they were bashing me for liking carrot cake. You go uh, cream cheese frosting or buttercream? Uh, buttercream. My man, now we're talking. There we go. All right. You guys go have your cake. We're going to take a break. And it make... was about hype music with Saban. Oh, that's what it was, right. His hype music. And he said, what's music, basically? Right. <laughs> oh, really? He's, he doesn't. Can we find that clip? Now I'm curious. I've never here. heard I'll that. I'll play it now. Uh, okay. Yeah, fire Most it up. Most players have a go-to song or artist that kind of get them locked into the game. I'm curious what is on a Nick Saban pregame uh, hype playlist. <laughs> I don't understand this question. <laughs> Say that again. What's like your go-to music choice? What are you listening to? What are you and Terry uh, listening to? Next question. Well, you know, we, we, we don't, I don't really listen to music before the game. Um, you know, we always play Gimme Shelter going home, you know, after the game. Okay. But I don't listen to music before the game. I'm kind of thinking about, you know, have we covered everything we need to cover? Yeah. Okay. Doesn't it seem exhausting being a guy like that? I it I think it's exhausting being the guys that have to work around. That, yeah. That have to have to be caretakers and basically. That, and that next question response is exactly what that's all about. Mm-hmm. Because he actually gave a good answer once he elaborated on it, and the guy was so quick, the SID or whoever was so quick to cut it off. Yeah. And all he had to say was, yeah, I don't listen to really, I really don't listen to music before the games, but we always listen to Gimme Shelter. That's that's a cool answer. I never would have known that. But where's where's that guy at AAC Media Day asking all the coaches that question? So at least we can get to four <laughs> right. for Biff, and maybe then Biff's happy. Ask Biff that question. Yeah. B- Biff's a big... Um, 
he listens to it's five o'clock somewhere. That's his. I just feel like this one of those guys that we were like, oh, I only got four questions instead of three. Yeah, yeah. I yo, you never hate gonna be Biff, dude. No, Biff's mowing down the Crown Royal at night as well. And Biff hates carrot cake. I can guarantee uh, that from definitely, a distance. Definitely yeah. does not like it. He's not wasting time on carrot cake. Um, let's get back to Jalen Brown's extension in Boston. A. Sherrod Blakely, Bleacher Report, the A-List podcast. He's next on CBS Sports Radio. Please knock. Dan in Mechanicsburg is asleep in the Lazy Boy. The DA Show on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back to the DA Show on this Wednesday morning. Andrew Bogish in for DA. Back to your phone calls momentarily. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. And more next hour as well on this looming Jim Harbaugh suspension. But right now... We're back in the NBA and Jalen Brown's $304 million extension with the Celtics. Yesterday, A. Sherrod Blakely writes for the NBA for Bleacher Report. He's got a Substack. He's the co-host of the A-List podcast. He's with us right now here this morning. Sherrod, it's Andrew. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. What's up today? I'm doing well, Andrew. Not as well as Jalen Brown, but I'm doing well nonetheless. Uh, it's certainly nice to not even to be the best player on your team and cash in the way that Jalen did yesterday. Um, you know, we when the season ended for the Celtics on the show, had a conversation wondering whether or not it was time to maybe trade Jalen, reset things a little bit around Jason Tatum. Obviously, the Celtics don't do that. The extension happens yesterday. Um, if you rewind a little bit, did you think it was time to make a similar change, or was this always your idea for them to keep Jalen long term? No, I, I've I've been on the Jalen Brown bandwagon for a while now, and and, and the, the main reason why uh, is because his continued growth, uh, year after year after year, there's a certain aspect of his game that he makes a notable improvement with, to the point where now he's gone from being you know a guy who was picked with the third overall selection a few years ago that got booed on draft night to a guy who's second team All NBA, uh, and obviously you know the season did not end on the best of terms as, as far as fans with Jalen. And with, with that just horrible Game 7 against Miami. But uh, when you're looking at the kind of money that players like Jalen Brown have positioned themselves to pull in, you can't just take a one-game snapshot. You really do have to look at the total body of work, and that's what the Celtics did. Uh, I think people have to, uh, you know, put aside Game 7 for a moment and come to the realization that the Celtics are one of the best teams in the NBA, and their core Two guys who are 25 and 26. Look around the NBA at the title contenders and show me a team that has a younger core uh, that, that, again, has, has been together for as, as long as those guys have been. And you're not going to find one. Uh, so I, I think it was important that they locked Jalen up uh, the way they did. And obviously, you know, he's the highest paid player ever. <laughs> that title will, will, will not last long because, as you alluded to earlier, Andrew, Tatum was the best player on the team. He's going to get that bag, uh, you know, in, in a year or so from now. And their core will be set with more than half a billion dollars tied up into those two. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the Celtics live in this world now where these two guys, it feels like they've been playing for forever. They've been in so many important games. They've won a lot of them. They've lost a lot of them, too. They've come close to titles. They haven't come close enough to titles. So it feels like it maybe has run its course. But as you said they're still kind of babies. They're, they're not even in their peak years, historically speaking. So there's still plenty of time, it appears, for them to win all these games and titles that people expect them to have won already. 
Yeah, and 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 we we were missed if we didn't mention the fact that they added Porzingis uh, this offseason. And when you look around the NBA landscape and you look at big threes, I'm not sure you're going to find a another big three that has a combination of youth, uh, veteran experience, and upside that those three guys combined have. Porzingis, you know, again, a guy that's come, you know, he's coming off one of his best seasons in the NBA. He stayed healthy, uh, played, a, you know, a lot of games for Porzingis, and they're going to be looking for him to do that in Boston. But Jalen, I, I think, again, I, I look at him as, as a guy that has just found his way in the league when there really wasn't a clear path for him to be a star. Because, as, as, and again, Tatum is a phenomenal talent, and Tatum's talent will shadow pretty much anyone in the NBA uh, because he's that good and he's been that good from the jump. Uh, but Jalen has been able to establish his own brand of impact basketball. Uh, and, and, again, you have to look at his entire body of work and not get caught up in Game 7 because if you do that, you'll realize that, you know, he's had more uh, certainly positives that he brings to the to the game than negatives. And he seems to love Boston, love being a Celtic. How should, how much should that matter in decisions like this? Well, I think it has to come into play a little bit, particularly when you look at some of the incidents that we're, we've seen of late involving NBA players, you know, not necessarily utilizing social media uh, the way they should. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm speaking specifically about Job Moran, uh, who's a phenomenal talent, but clearly, uh, you know, some of the decisions he made off the basketball court cost him, you know, big bucks. You don't have those concerns necessarily with a Jalen Brown who has been, you know, he's invested himself in the community for day one uh he's part of mit's uh you know they have a, a think tank group that they put together and he was uh brought into that mix like back in 2019 and i believe at the time was like the youngest uh person that they brought into that and and he, he's made it his mission to, to be a difference maker not only in boston but also back in his hometown of marietta georgia and in the atlanta georgia area so he, he jalen brings both the basketball stuff that you really love and the off the court stuff that doesn't get as much attention but nonetheless is part of who he is, uh, and I do think the Celtics certainly. Uh, I don't think that was the reason why they gave him three hundred million, but it didn't hurt. That that's part of who he is. Um, I was watching a video that you shared yesterday that you were on a, a Garden Report, a live reaction to the to the Brown News, and you guys talked quickly about the idea that the Celtics are cheap. Um, and I think it's fair to say that that no longer can be held against them, right? I mean, you can't be cheap writing checks for three hundred and four mil. Yes, and I, I've been one of the biggest uh, advocates of pushing back against that narrative because the thing is this, the ownership of the Celtics, when it when they had a team that was built in a way that could compete, that couldn't just compete for championship, but was it, and had checked off most of the boxes that you want to have checked off to win a title, they have not hesitated to spend money. Uh, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Rajon Rondo, all those guys got, got significant paydays when they're in Boston. The teams that they've had in the past, they've been good, but they seem to be missing a little bit something. And when they had teams that were that on paper were built to win, when you had a Kyrie Irving, a Gordon Hayward, an Al Horford, they paid major money for that. So the concept that they're cheap just doesn't it doesn't mesh with reality. They're not going to pay Maybach prices for a mid-sized Toyota. It doesn't work that way, people. Never has and never will. Uh, this is A. Sharab Blakely with us here on the DA Show on this Wednesday morning talking Celtic basketball. Uh, you've already brought up Porzingis. What about the main exit this offseason, Marcus Smart? How are they going to miss him the most in, in your mind? 
Oh, that's that's a killer for me because uh, those who, who've, who've followed me through the years here in Boston know that Marcus is, is my guy. He's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I've, I've said this repeatedly that he's the type of guy that you win a championship with. You need an X-factor, gritty, grimy type of player. And that's what they're going to miss from Marcus. They're going to miss that, that toughness, that willingness to make plays that – don't necessarily make their way onto the highlight reel, but when you start to reflect on how they won this game by three, those are the plays that you need to have. So they're going to miss that. Uh, but th- I think what the, what the Celtics have done is they've essentially taken away a little bit of that toughness and they've upgraded from a talent standpoint. Porzingis is a better player than Marcus Smart. I, I'm, to me, that's not even debatable. But Marcus brings a level of toughness that absolutely is critical and essential. And then when you throw in Grant Williams, all his department, as well, they lose a certain amount of toughness. Now, my question for the Celtics is, who's going to fill that void? Is Tatum going to be a more vocal, demonstrative leader? Is Jalen Brown, now that he's got $304 million you know, locked up, is he going to be more of that, that tough, gritty, grimy leader? They, but that, that void exists, and they need one. I think one, frankly, I think they need both of those guys to be front and center guys to bring that toughness because they're the faces of the franchise now, clearly. Sherrod, last question, and I guess this is maybe a loaded question. I hope I ask it correctly, but does, does the MB, this does this NBA setup work? I mean, obviously Jalen Brown loves making three hundred and four million dollars, and Boston wants to keep him. But everything kind of being predetermined and limiting what you can make, and or setting the number that you can make, it seems like it takes away some wiggle room where maybe players have more palatable salaries for their teams. Listen, the, the NBA, and, and they're not, and I, I don't want to go down the political pipeline too far, but the NBA and its economic system in many ways mirrors what you see in, in this country. Uh, the, there's the top portion, there's the bottom portion, and there's a, a dwindling, shrinking middle class. Uh, you're going to see that in the NBA. That's why the Celtics, you look at them, you look at the Denver Nuggets, you look at some of the top teams in the NBA, you've got two or three really good players making major money, and then you got a bunch of guys on rookie contracts, uh, free agent signings who are making you know mid-level money or, or less, and you're not really going to have guys making that, that nice somewhere-in-the-middle type salaries because the economics of the league don't afford that. This is a top-heavy league. Uh, they want it to create more diversity on rosters where you, you couldn't just stack elite top-tier talent the way we've seen the last two or three years. And I think that they're going to get that. But at the end of the day, teams that win championships, they're going to have to get lucky. Uh, you're going to have to basically take a guy that's, that's making a little money who's going to play like a starter or borderline all-star. Uh, and, and that's a lot easier said than done. Uh, but what's going to happen when you have guys like that, they're going to play great for the one year, and then they're going to be out. Uh, they're going to find a, a – and, and so it's, it's going to be – a very transitional period that we're going to see for fans as far as guys that are playing for your team. Because chances are, if they're not the number one or two player, they're not going to be there very long. Sherrod, this is great stuff. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. I'm sure we'll talk to you again when we get closer to the season. Sounds good. Take care. You too. That's A. Sherrod Blakely. You can read him at Bleacher Report. He's got his own Substack. He's got the A-List podcast as well. We thank him for jumping on with us here this morning. Uh, our next guest, by the way, next hour, Aaron McMahon covers Michigan football for MLive.com. We'll talk to him about Jim Harbaugh later on in the show, about 25 minutes from now. Right now, though, it's headlines time, and here's Greg Caserta. I'm eating this Jersey peach, Mm. and I bought four of them yesterday when we went grocery shopping, and the consistency and the texture is perfect. It's very crunchy. It's not very sweet. 
So I don't know if it needs like another day or two. But Probably. The texture is perfect and the taste is eh. I don't yeah, know. I think it probably another day. I think it tastes better. Because, like, I, I want my fruit crunchy. I don't want it soft. I don't there, like soft. Yeah. Uh, I'm very conflicted with peaches. Love peach flavor. Mm. Love the idea of peaches. The peach fuzz throws me off, though. Trader Joe's does a, like, a canned peach that is to die for. Yeah? But isn't that syrup, though? So good. It's good, but isn't it, like, very sugary? I like sweet stuff, so... Maybe maybe that's me. But it's, it's no longer like, like a healthy like, it's like snack, right? It's pickled in like some kind of juice. Like, I love it. I love pineapple. I love canned pineapple. But I can't imagine that canned pineapple does anything for you nutritionally. Oh, probably not. Probably probably all the nutrition goes Like you're better off drinking sangria. It's got the same nutritional and value. Then, <laughs> and the canned peach thing, it's, not, it's almost not in a can. It's in like a bottle. Well, so you don't get that metallic taste. I always forget you. you I always feel like you're younger than you are, EJ. I, like I always think you're like 27. <laughs> oh, I wish. Yeah, you said um, 32 before, huh? Yeah, threw me off a little bit. Yeah. So back, remember Del Monte? You have like yeah. the, the the canned half peaches. I used to eat those as a kid. Like sometimes you would just go in with a spoon and eat them. Other times you do it over a little vanilla ice cream. Mm, honey, there we go. But this sounds like a Seanism. Like, oh yeah, I'm eating peaches. Oh. Yeah, but no. they're in 1,700-calorie <laughs> yeah. sugar milk. Yeah, it's the old Homer it's Simpson. It's not the same thing. It's the old Homer Simpson theory. Put the hoagie on a rice cake. And oh, oh, six, <laughs> six, uh, only six grams of fat. Or have your double fudge Sunday at 2 in the afternoon. Right. Not 8 at night. So you get those extra six hours to burn it off. Just as long as not by 5 p.m. Exactly. Uh, sports at all or no? Yeah, we, we got, got those. Just peach updates? We, we got happening? those. Okay. Uh, guard Zach Martin, a member of that exclusive Madden 99 club, one of the best interior linemen in the NFL, has not shown up for the start of Cowboys camp. Reportedly missed the team's flight from Dallas to California, the site of their training camp. He's currently staying away with the hopes of a new contract that pays him more commensurately with the highest paid guards in football. The Cowboys are set to practice officially this morning. Trayvon Diggs demands, and uh, he finally got what he wanted. Five-year extension, sources said, is worth $97 million, $21.25 million signing bonus, plus a guaranteed $42.3 million. NBA, Minnesota Timberwolves forward Kyle Anderson is going to play for Team China at the FIBA World Cup. The Chinese Basketball Association announced that the American had obtained Chinese citizenship through naturalization, a 29-year-old forward from New York is the latest athlete to gain Chinese nationality through naturalization, the first basketball player to do so, and it could also enable him to represent China at the Olympic Games in Paris next year. FIBA allows teams to have one naturalized player on their roster. Chinese media reported that Anderson's maternal grandmother was born in Jamaica to a Chinese father and Jamaican mother. Baseball last night, more history from the Atlanta Braves. Shallow right center, long run, but Michael gets there. Throwing back to first, may have a play. Double the off, it may be a triple play. It is unbelievable. Just how they drew it up. That is Brandon Gauden on Bally Sports. That 8-3-5 triple play in Boston, just the second in Major League history. The first since 1884 when Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys. Red Sox won that game 7-1, and they also made a trade, sending Kike Hernandez back to the Dodgers for righty relievers Nick Robertson and Justin Hageman. You got that wrong. It was 1784. 
<laughs> he owned them before there was football. Yeah, when there, there was electricity. You, you had one guy playing the fife and the lute. They were actual cowboys. <laughs> the warrant. <laughs> that triple play, by the way, I don't know if you saw, you saw the video. Mm. It begins with a, like a little fly ball to center field. That's never not going to be caught. Right. And the guy, it's first and second, nobody out. And the guy at first base is basically standing on second when Michael Harris jogs in it's and terrible. catches it. It's one of the worst reads of all yeah, time. It's terrible base running. It's truly bad. It's never going to be a, a hit. And he's jogging in the second base like, oh, I got this one figured out. I, I meant to ask you yesterday, you showed off your new baseball glove. Oh, yes. And it looks awesome. Thank you. Do you still play baseball? Uh, do I play baseball in a game? No. Do I play a lot of baseball with my kids and his friends and like running around and like helping at practice? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But this is a complete vanity purchase. It was, right? Yeah. I might have a regular glove that I bought like when Jake started to mm-hmm. actually play things and, like we had to have a real catch or whatever. Um, but I kept seeing it's the company's 44. You, they they have yeah. equipment it's, in baseball I, I now. I went on their website. It's sharp. And uh, there's other ones, too. Even the regular ones, like you do it as well, but the kind of their deal is you can design your glove from the beginning. Everything is That's your awesome. choice with obviously a couple of, like, template things. And I was like, ah, oh, that looks cool. That looks cool. And then one day, you know, stupid Instagram ad saves $60 on a customized mm-hmm. glove. And I was like, oh, that now seems like a money I can spend, and it looks cool. So I bought it. And the bad thing was it took – now. Because they care about it, it took seven weeks yeah, to be made it. and get to me. So it was a long wait. But man, I love that thing. But it's a brick. I and I chose the partially broken in version, and it's still not even broken. And I still, it actually hurts my forearm uh, to close it still. So you're going to use this? This is not a showpiece. Oh no, it's I've already used it. This will be your everyday mitt now. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and it's but it's going to it needs to be broken in, and like their website, everything says don't do these all these newfangled steaming. Right. Just wrap it up, condition it, play catch, and get one of those. I already had it. Those like wood mallets, mm-hmm. and just beat the crap out of when it. When was the last time you had to break in a mitt? The, I don't even remember. Yeah. Because the glove I had like from college was in my garage and I started to use it when Jake was old enough to like really throw the ball at me and it was like disintegrating inside. So I went to like Dick's bought a regular price glove that was already nicely broken in for the most part. And I've been using that until this thing and it it's beautiful, but it is basically made out of concrete right now. I'm amazed that we had a, a second Dick's reference of the morning. We had one. Mine right was bef- a proper one. Right before we came on the air, we were talking about that store and their false advertising, and now we mention it on the program. So uh, anyway, I forgot that we're doing stun next hour, next hour so we have yeah. a little more time here, please. So the Dodgers get back righty relievers Nick Robertson and Justin Hagenman. Hagenman, uh, who have pitched mostly in the minors, they will report to the team's AAA team in Worcester. The Red Sox also agreed to pay two point five million of the roughly three point five million left on Kike's contract. Really nice win for those Dodgers last night. Let's hear the call from Dodgers Radio. 1-1 pitch. This one's hit well. Deep to right center. Back it goes. It is off the top of the wall. Here comes Taylor around third, and the Dodgers win it. The Dodgers win it. A walk-off hit in the bottom of the 10th for James Outman. Once around the park, James. 8-7, Dodgers. Game-winning double from James Outman in the bottom of the 10th. Tim Neverett with the call, pinch-hitting for Charlie Steiner on Dodgers Radio. 
L.A. needed four runs in the bottom of the ninth after the Blue Jays scored three in the top of the ninth on a double from Danny Jansen with the bases loaded. Dodgers starting to create some distance now in the NL West. Tim Neverett, by the way, looks like a guy that you and I both know from our Fordham days. He's like a like a knockoff version looking of Dan Duva. He looks like Dan Duva a little bit. So I've never met Dan. Really? Dan, uh, that, was, that was after your time, but I figured you guys would have met at like no. some event, some dinner. No, because I think, I mean, I, uh, my guess is Dan lives, because he's the voice of the, the Golden Knights, for those of yeah. you who don't know, my guess is he lives in Vegas all the time now. But I, now that I'm picking up Tim Neverett's picture, you are correct. Right, like they could be yes. brothers, father and son. Yeah. Dan might even be older than Tim Neverett. I don't know. No, Tim's I, 57. No, I think he's older than Dan I'm, no, I'm, I'm by goof, a good I'm, chunk, right? I'm goofing because I think Dan spent like two full years at Syracuse and then came to Fordham. We don't like to mention that part of the right. resume, yes. But Where? I wonder what he Who? identifies as. Is he an orange or is he a ram? I Well, was it? I thought it was only grad school at Fordham. No, he came in as a, like a, as an actual regular yeah, student. As an undergrad. Well, we're claiming him. Yeah, we'll take him. And we promoted him being an FUV alum, winning a Stanley Cup ring, so mm-hmm. he's ours. Has he been on the show? Not this show. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Not this show. Maybe he can do Canadian bacon next year. We got to go to break. Pete's angry. Yeah, we do. Don't get so angry, Pete. Not I don't angry. know. What... I'm just saying to go to break. Pete versus the clock next <laughs> on CBS Sports Radio. Gimme, 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 gimme. Gimme that money. Gimme that candy. Oh, I want the candy so bad. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. Is that why DA's off this week? Probably be off. Uh, Bogus in for DA the rest of the week. Pete's here. EJ's here. Caserta's here today. We're back on the stream as well. WatchDA.com, Twitch, Twitch, YouTube, and all the usual places on the radio front. I believe all our app issues have been rectified. And as per usual, none of it was our fault yesterday. In fact, there apparently were system Odyssey-wide issues. So as much as we would like to blame it on Pete, we could not, at least for yesterday. We've got two minutes here. Wanted to talk about this yesterday. Now we'll get it in today. Uh, Killian Mbappe is a name that I think most of us kind of know by now. I mean, soccer... Gets more popular by the day. He has been a stud player in World Cups for France. He's one of the best players in the world, and he's, I don't even think he's 25 yet. I mean, he's hes a remarkable player. And between a transfer fee and his salary, one of these Saudi teams offered a billion dollars for him, 330 to his French team. And then for a year, he would have made... 770-ish million dollars. It's just like a ridiculous amount of money, and he somehow said no to it. Um, and But that, to me, is kind of the next frontier thing. It's one thing when we lose prominent golfers because they're just that far off of what we really care about that we're not sweating not watching Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka every Sunday on the PGA Tour. But if these, if these, if this, if these leagues start taking prime players away, and that would have been Mbappe. It's one thing when you take Ronaldo or Messi as they're collecting last paychecks, end of their career, but when you're taking guys in their prime, megastars, and going there, then that's real, real trouble. And this is not just putting the morality of the whole situation aside. I'm just talking about an upstart league, 
upstart country, upstart region, trying to find athletes to populate leagues there. Soccer is clearly in their crosshairs. They've had some success, but Mbappe would have been a game changer, and he said no after Messi said no one to the MLS went to MLS. And by the way, we're gonna have a messy conversation on tomorrow's show with a guest from the Athletic. And all he's done is played two games, and two of them had the basically walk-off free kick goal. And then last night, in I think 60-ish minutes, had two goals and an assist. And Inter Miami won again. So he's been pretty good here stateside. But Mbappe was a huge target that they missed. And I still think basketball is next. Giannis and LeBron had jokes about this Mbappe offer. LeBron maybe wants to stay away from these jokes with his connection to China, but basketball to me is the easy next target. If they want to do that, coming for guys here might be a hurdle we need to jump over sometime soon. Hour number four begins back on the guest line with Jim Harbaugh and Aaron McMahon of MLive.com on CBS Sports Radio.